welcome everyone to the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. You always have to be the one holding the knife. The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek, or Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, is brought to you by Pizza Papa. He always gets paid. Pete, the box office on fire for Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Badness, or as they said on Deadline, no joke, D-T-I-M-O-M, uh, or D-S-I, whatever it was. It was a really clunky uh, way to spell it all out. Yeah, but, just uh, spell it out, man. Just, yeah. like, it's not going to hurt you to say the whole title. Exactly. Uh, looking at $185 million in these United States with uh, $450 million globally uh in one of the biggest openings for 2022 so though there still are some uh rocky shores and uh, all of that for movie box office overall uh things going really really well in the land of marvel uh we went back again to the movies for this we last saw spider-man that was the thing that got us back before the omicron wave but, uh, you know, there were some rumblings that maybe the opening could have gone as high as 194 to 197 million, um, really buoyed by a big Thursday night, $36 million on Thursday night, Matt, which nearly out earned the entire run to that point of everything, everywhere, all at once, another multiverse movie. Pete, I'm so old. I remember when uh, Thursday night midnight shows used to be at midnight, and then all of a sudden it was like, "Oh, look, they have an they have an eight o'clock and a, and a midnight." Okay, cool. Hey, they have a six o'clock and eight o'clock. Now, for the last two movies that we've seen, it's been in the three o'clock hour, which yes. is Thursday night, which also technically still counts as Friday for how they count up the days, even though they still acknowledge Thursday night as its own. Pete, it's Hollywood accounting stuff, but here's here's the news. What used to be a three day is now a four day, and uh, box office was what was you know doing just fine. And you have your, you know, clubhouse leader for the 2022 box office at this point, uh, the the biggest opening, uh, just trailing uh, the Batman for the year at this point. Uh, so we'll see how high they ultimately go. And we're, we're going to be doing this in, in two months again with Thor love and thunder. Well, and Pete, speaking of the near future, the, uh, the last four days of podcasting, I'm talking moon Knight, uh, something finale, Picard season finale, strange new worlds premiere. And now this, uh, a bit of a dress rehearsal for June, uh, when we're going to have uh, Ms. Marvel, Kenobi, and Strange New Worlds all going on. So, uh, Pete, we asked for good stuff to podcast, and the pop culture gods have given us this. Yes, and it'll be our absolute pleasure to do that. We'll finish up that super busy time, the, the week that Thor, Love and Thunder uh, bows in theaters. So getting ready for that. Uh, we're going to be bringing you a book of Boba Fett uh, update to that podcast feed this week. Uh, the gallery for that show, the behind the scenes uh, show, uh, streams 
last Wednesday on Disney Plus. So we're going to chew that over uh, before bringing it back to Marvel here, Matt. Yes, uh, the Ms. Marvel feed will be our next uh, new feed. I mean, new already created, but the next new show that we'll be podcasting. So uh, really excited to see that happening in about a month's time. My goodness, how how time flies. Uh, it's just, Pete, this is the grand adventure. So you can jump on Apple Podcasts or FantasticGeek.com and find those episodes already. When we catch you up on what went down, Matt, Sam Raimi to the rescue with the quote unquote scariest Marvel Cinematic Universe entry yet. Indeed, Pete, the uh, Hollywood Reporter had an article yesterday, I think just meant to be a thing at, for, for, for the Sunday evening. Um, reflecting on, you know, was this really a PG-13 movie or should it have been R-rated? Um, and kind of the conclusion of the article that because it's kind of superhero versus superhero stuff and because it's a magic zombie, not a zombie zombie or that sort of thing that what might be scary in other formats is a little spooky or sometimes you go there's a jump scare coming there's a jump scare coming ah there's a jump scare as opposed to you know janet lee in the shower wait things are moving look it's a night like this is not the scariest thing yet uh maybe the the spookiest marvel movie mm -hmm. thus far uh, indeed, Pete, we were joined by my daughter, who um, is not a huge fan of scary things and had a few had a few good jumps, but at no point was like, this is too much, I can't handle this, I need to look away. So again, I think that kind of like, ah, I'm on the roller coaster, we might go over the edge, and I'm going to be scared at the moment, but it's all for fun. They really lucked out when Scott Derrickson bounced from the sequel here to have Sam Raimi right there um, certainly helps the connective tissue of Dr. Strange from that Spider-Man movie where one of his Spider-Men uh, Sam Raimi was and to do it over here uh, we'll talk in a little bit if that portends future work for Mr. Raimi but he was really the right choice. He was, particularly if they were looking for that perpetual something different, but also, not for nothing, Sam Raimi is not Sam Mendes, who's going to say, no, I have a strong feeling that we have to do a certain shot in a certain way, and I, I must have final cut and whatnot. You know, Raimi is at a point where he knows how to, he knows how to, to rock and roll within a particular system. Uh, so, yeah, again, a great choice, and uh, perhaps he'll be back. So like Hawkeye and Spider-Man um, No Way Home before it, we had the Moon Knight finale on Wednesday. We had Doctor Strange the next day. Uh, we're going to have this happen again in July. It'll be the uh, penultimate Ms. Marvel the next day leading into Thor Love and Thunder. I love that this has become a thing now since uh you know christmas and we'll have had it happen three times in half a year and i think too we're starting to get a bit of a pattern here you know we had wondered on the moon knight podcast will 
will there be the end of Moon Knight 106? And somebody says, oh no, the multiverse is at hand. Or, you know, if Doctor Strange was going to show up in WandaVision, maybe Doctor Strange shows up in the Moon Knight finale, you know, that sort of thing. And no, there wasn't quite that handoff. Uh, in fact, there was not a handoff from the one show. I think it is worth keeping in mind, too, that the original, original pre-COVID plan, uh, whenever it was that WandaVision was supposed to come out, I don't think Doctor Strange was, like, right around the corner. Like, there would have been, uh, as I recall, maybe a couple of months. So, again, just, you know, could it be possible that for one of these, that we get to the end of Ms. Marvel and all of a sudden Captain Marvel and Thor show up and say, you need to help us with the emergency rift. And we go, well, what is that? And then you go see Thor, and it's only towards the end where, oh, no, it's turned into the emergency rift. You say, okay, it really is connected. Um, so sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. We can all follow the bouncing ball. So we begin the movie uh, bang right out of the shoot there with uh, Defender, Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange, complete with the ponytail, and America Chavez uh, trying to get to the book of Vishanti. Yeah. And look, one of the benefits of doing a multiverse is you get to kill your title character in, you know, in this early point um, and for it to count and to have, let's say, story resonance in that it's Defender Strange's body that is a key portion of the uh the final act and whatnot but you also kind of get the fun of like hey that's not the real one so i'm not going to be confused when all of a sudden you've killed him or it's not going to be some sort of like you know i mean i think of the multiple times in a james bond teaser where james bond has been killed off and no it was just a mask because it's a guy on specter island or no it's a guy who's now gonna fall in and we're gonna hear a skyfall but bond will be okay at the end like you get to have everything real with his death and everything not real at the same time to bring it back to our universe obviously that was just a dream that stephen strange wakes up from we see what life is like uh not being the sorcerer supreme which previously we had established wong had taken over uh when uh, strange turned to dust because of Thanos snap, but uh, going to church and uh, being there for Christine Palmer's wedding. So he doesn't get the girl. He doesn't get the girl. And, you know, uh, even, even taking COVID out of the picture, I don't know that it was anybody's ideal plan six years ago after the success of the first movie i don't think anybody planned for it to be five or six years until the next movie but that's how a variety of factors shook the schedule out so i think on the one hand you get to acknowledge the fact that time has gone by and you get some kind of character stuff the normal stuff and whatnot um however i have to admit pete i was like oh look you're giving other doctor guy who I kind of remember, but then enjoyed more in that one season of Fargo that also was forever ago. But look, there he is saying doctory stuff. Oh, and it's Rachel McAdams as the bride. They're giving her a moment too to kind of do justice to the character or something. Um, I did not necessarily see coming that not only was it a character update in the MCU, it was like, 
establish it was reestablishing a Christine Palmer in the story for mm-hmm. later purpose when there's going to be a different Christine Palmer, you know, but it's kind of that dust off slash slash exposition for we the audience. Of course it gets interrupted. The wedding does. I, I did love that the uh the groom is a Doctor Strange stan. Um, and, uh, Strange has to save the day from this second squid-like monster, octopus type of monster that we learn a lot about in a little bit, but leads to, uh, an expositional pizza session there with, um, America where, uh, Spider-Man is mentioned, but not Peter Parker, because remember, Spider-Man uh, no way home. Uh, nobody remembers Peter Parker, so they maintain that. I think too, it's a little bit of a reminder that we kind of have some hand waving here. Like, don't forget the events of No Way Home were not completely erased, and the Avengers kind of know Spider Man, but we don't really uh, magic memories away. Like, th- there's not really an in depth exploration of what that means. I'm sure it, there's some sort of rough draft somewhere, but you know, it's 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 not this calendar year when Spider-Man needs to be reintroduced but for the first time to the Avengers and all of that. Like that's not this story. It's just a quick check-in, quick reminder, uh quick, you know, hashtag it's all connected and then we move on. Obviously, the Wanda Maximoff uh, you know, placement in this film and you know largely opposite um cumberbatch's strange but boy did they lean in on the wandavision element i mean matt they gave us the the theme from the show the first time we see her they've got her children that she had conjured in the hex uh, Strange has this conversation with her about Westview that was in the very first teaser. So uh, they really connected this. They did. And I think that the the secret scene at the end of WandaVision um, was not meant to make sense at the time. There's a Wanda that's chilling outside. And then there's another Wanda on the inside. And she hears the voices of her kids. But we know they were fake what's up with that um and to get it here as a happy wandavision era or wandavision type existence with the kids and and by and large the same set although pete it it bugged me the whole movie that they moved the door i understand they don't need to be (laughs) really leaning into the three-sided you know sitcom stage that they used for much of the WandaVision house, although at certain points they put on the the fourth wall, you know, and all that. But like, I was just like, why did you move the door? It was really bothering me. Probably over so. universes. It, it totally the door's was. Door's not totally. the same place in every universe. Totally fair. Um, <laughs> but I think that instantly, as soon as she, you know, it's this super upbeat, and then boom, she wakes up alone, and it's like, now again, maybe we don't fully at that point understand that she is you know that the red orbs that she's searching are are waypoints to different multiverses and so forth but you know emotionally we are now there 100 percent in terms of understanding all that we needed to from wandavision and the first time we've now come from the uh, marvel studios tv side to 
the the film side, albeit with an asterisk, a, a character that had originally appeared in the films. But we've we've completely made the revolution there until, you know, we get the first character. I I guess can can you count the boys? I mean, they were they were on um, Disney Plus first. I I think, you know, until it's a Moon Knight or somebody like that, we've we've got to hold that off. I think certainly, if nothing else, what we have is a different Wanda in this movie, and we could discuss later, I suppose, you know, maybe in the hearts of some audience members, this wasn't exactly the Wanda that we thought we concluded with at the end of WandaVision, but certainly the broad strokes of the journey are are essentially understood from nine episodes of WandaVision, um, as opposed to, hey, she was really sad at Tony Stark's funeral. Three years later, I go to the movies and what? She's like the villain? Like, it, it, it's essential viewing to know the WandaVision arc. Well, with the line there about her being reasonable and trying to get Strange to hand over America so she can use her power to go get her children in different universes uh strange and wong spirit america away to camartage which properly gets crushed and you know it's funny i don't think i have rewatched the first doctor strange movie very much uh, I, I can't rewatched it like twice this weekend <laughs> okay like i can't say it's like you know it's not my go-to on a rainy day or that sort of thing but you know, Kamertaj kind of was there and well-established as, like, the training place and whatnot. But the minute that this story needs us to go there, it's like, ah, oh, yes, Kamertaj, the the iconic courtyard where you practice your hand circling and all of that. Um, and it's a really fun scene, you know. Th- th- again, Pete, we've been talking on the Moon Knight and Picard podcasts about weird parallels, not just between those mm-hmm. two series, but, like, the same week where they it's like mom has a terrible secret that gets revealed by a kid who's in a locked room and you go that's so specific uh pete here we are the same day that picard 210 no huge spoiler features a bunch of goodies need to form a square or rectangle and shoot a common shield here we have that at commertage 2 uh, which again is like oddly specific, but uh, we have that. And then, you know, she breaks through with the whole, you know, whisper, whisper, which ties back to the earliest uh, appearances of the character. The the shield is broken. People are dying and all of that. Ultimately leading uh, America to tap into her powers, although unable to control it. Really stylistic sequence falling through several of the universes there throughout the multiverse, including one where their their paint was kind of cool, um, and winding up, uh, you know, in Earth eight three eight. I can't wait to go back and rewatch that fall mm-hmm. because it was so beautifully done, um, and you could have removed three or four of the interstitial stops, and it wouldn't have been any less powerful for the story but just the notion and look we understand at a certain point they go from their photograph selves to fully digital doubles where it's photorealistic and that lets you you know switch them from different 
forms and whatnot, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it just looks so great and is just an artistic moment um, that, that ultimately gets us to a completely different spot in the multiverse. And then I thought a really deftly handled piece of exposition there. Oh, we need to show what led America to this romp through the multiverse and the the memory, uh, you know, business that first strange steps on. And, you know, we see the Christine uh, dinner and he gets the watch and then to do it with America and to see what happened to her mothers. Uh, Pete, in a scene that got the movie banned in Saudi Arabia, congrats. It's just so silly. Uh, gosh almighty. There's two ladies that care for this girl, and <sighs> that means now people in Saudi Arabia can't see a movie where a sorcerer and a witch use yeah. octopus people and rock monsters to fight over a a thing and at a certain point there's a zombie and a ghost cape thank goodness pete thank goodness uh, in, indeed um but a, a really effective hook emotionally for her story it is and we've seen let's say in the last year we've seen um, all these different flavors to the MCU. And I think, you know, I think how, it, if the mandate of the Marvel Studios television shows is give us a movie, but with a little bit more time to tell a, you know, to tell a, a personable story. Um, and some of those stories like Hawkeye, it's like, here's Clint Barton, but the most interesting parts are the things that they're setting up for the future to be characters that are still in the movies 15 years from now. Um, are we getting a brand new, vital, interesting character in uh, America Chavez? Absolutely. However, I don't feel at any point that she was given either short shrift or like, wait, where is the Doctor Strange in my Doctor Strange? Um, and again, if you want to say, well, it's different because it's a movie versus a TV show. Uh, okay, maybe. But I'm on board with the sadness of her loss. I'm on board with the beauty of her home universe. I now understand her powers completely wacky as they are. Um, and it all just works here as we learn about that, that tragic backstory, which informs the hero that is before us. <laughs> the dark hold Matt, of course, reintroduced in WandaVision. Let's remember that goes all the way back to your Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., to your Marvel's Runaways, um, but uh, destroyed in the 616 universe, thus leading uh, Wanda to need to dreamwalk to uh, stalk in the other universes. Pete, I would assume that writer Michael Waldron is not the first writer ever to conceive of the idea that dreams are actually connecting us to other realities. But I must confess that was a new idea to me. Um, and what a, even if it is kind of there in the ethos of mythologies or something like that, what a great use here, because of course we're coming off of something that I think we all have experienced to some degree, which is the happy dream. And then you wake up and it's, you know, oh, I don't have that here. You know, it's maybe you're dreaming about someone who's no longer with us or, or that kind of thing. 
Um, but just this notion that all the universes are connected through dreams. And then now this concept of dream walking as a way to move uh, magically through the multiverse. I just thought what a delightful story conceit all of that is. And to load it both for Wanda and for Strange as well. Um, it particularly where it goes in the Earth 838 storyline where uh, there Carl Mordo, uh, a member of the Illuminati, brings our Doctor Strange uh, before them. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get to the roster in just a bit, but this idea that, you know, uh, the 838 Strange, there's a statue, he was a hero, and then the the big lie that it will really wound up being. I'll add too, this is a really good use of Mordo. I think I think with with a full backward glance here to reflect on the first film and to say, okay, awesome. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna update some particulars here. We're gonna have Chiwetel Ejiofor play one of the main characters, maybe seed him as a villain, okay, for for a sequel. Okay, good stuff. Then you kind of get all the way done with the movie and, and whatnot, kind of say, yeah, Doctor Strange's friend of color, you can't trust because he's a bad guy all along. And that that maybe is not the best use of those particulars here. Now, you're picking up that reverberation in that we all know, even you know, separate from some kind of baggage there. We, okay, Mordo is a baddie. So what's he in this? He's a baddie who actually is working on behalf of uh, you, you know, A, on behalf of a certain set of facts from his universe, uh, in which Strange was quite bad. He's also there with this ultra, ultra awesome team of the Illuminati. So I think that that was a good pivot from what they had six years ago to still having Chiwetelle Ejiofor show up in this movie, still be Mordo, still be bad to our guy, but good for the story. So ever since this film was announced, tongues have been wagging about, oh, who's going to show up in it and how it'll happen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've had a pervasive Tom Cruise Iron Man rumor for years, Matt. I mean, going back to when this film in 2019 was made official. Um, but, you know, the the Super Bowl ad having... Patrick Stewart's voice and then him, of course, playing coy with that. Uh, who's Dr. Strange? And then to get everybody we did, um, Matt and I were very fortunate to go to the Star Trek Strange New Worlds red carpet premiere uh, a week ago, Saturday. And there I am in the movie theater with Matt with Anson Mount, and I can't spoiler Pete, Matt, that, hey, this guy is also in Doctor Strange. It's going to come out the same day that the one of the episodes we're watching now at the world premiere, the, premiere, the pilot, will. Yeah, and just the, the strangeness of there being a new Patrick Stewart Star Trek show on uh, May 5th and a new Anson Mount Star Trek show on May 5th 
and they're both playing captains and then they both show up in this movie whose Thursday preview uh, which, as you said from your box office math, was a, a day in its own right, was also May the 5th. It was just like, what is this multiverse that we're in where all of that is happening at the same time? I mean, obviously, Paramount, uh, CBS, a separate corporate entity from uh, Marvel Studios, Disney. But, you know, we joked when we did Spider-Man um, No Way Home that, all right, you know, where's... Kevin Feige's award for, you know, giving us Wilson Fisk on a Wednesday in Hawkeye and then Charlie Cox's Daredevil the next day in Spider-Man No Way Home. And then you have this like what what's going to happen in uh, July, Matt, with a with a Ms. Marvel and the handoff to Thor? Like, I, I can't imagine what kind of extra corporate synergy they might uh, accomplish then i mean at least with that it's a little more it's not impossible to say ms marvel meets captain marvel in the show and captain marvel introduces her to thor in an, in a post credit scene or something like that like at least that's kind of like ms marvel is you know, and then they go hang out with 11 uh, or something <laughs> I, you know all i know is this i knew I knew because they showed us the iconic head and the the beloved voice of Patrick Stewart that we would be getting uh, his final performance as Charles Xavier again. Now, Pete, if you're keeping track, Patrick Stewart has played Charles Xavier for the last time uh, since X-Men 3, The Last Stand. It's happened about, seriously, probably about six times has been his final appearance as Professor X. Um, I guess I had seen... Or I guess the, the Captain Carter rumor was so pervasive, and maybe I had seen the shield, an image the of the shield, shield on Twitter. On the, the one poster, yeah. Okay, so like, I don't know if I was supposed to be super surprised or not, but also like, I think particularly after the super strong what if um, storyline or storylines with Captain Carter, like, that was delightful, but not surprising. Um, I did not know to expect Maria Rambeau, Captain Marvel. Loved that as an addition. That um, was the big guessing game was, you know, once once we had footage of that, is that uh, an Iron Man variant? Oh, look, I, I think I can see Tom Cruise wearing a goatee, or was it Maria Rambeau? Um what I think would have caused the theater to applause, if not for the fact that anybody who's going to a 315 Thursday show uh, for Doctor Strange 2 probably also did the exact same for Spider-Man No Way Home. To get John Krasinski's Reed Richards beaming in, um, albeit with the conceit of it's a different universe and we get to play that guessing game and so forth, you know, that that's a discussion for slightly later. But that was... That was a thrilling and be like, yeah, we've been talking about this one for so long. And, 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 and did we make it come true that they heard us? They heard us. And, you know, Matt, we just lost a fantastic four director. OK, John Watts, the, the cover story is, yeah, just spent a little too much time with superheroes after three Spider-Man movies. So, you know, hey, it's all, it's all good. Gonna, you know, just depart Fantastic Four on good terms. We're still friends, you know. 
But uh, now there's a director's spot opened up. And huh, what has Krasinski done some of in the past couple of years? I, I think I think we're going to see him again. And I think he's going to be doing a couple things for that movie. So, uh, well, and then I don't know that we've properly kind of captured the moment of, you know, then it's Anson Mount back as Black Bolt mm-hmm. from the worst thing Marvel television <laughs> ever made. Um, in fact, you need to tell me. you can go me. listen to Fantastic Geeks podcast of, in, of Inhumans. Go go watch it on Disney Plus and listen to us and enjoy the, the storyline of something that is, uh, you know, now legal in several states, um, including our own. Uh, indeed. Uh, so all of that, just a beautiful tapestry of, of comic stuff. I would say what was the icing on the cake was not just the fact that they gave this professor X, the yellow wheelchair, but mm-hmm. that they, they went for the, uh, the animated series, uh, musical quote as he showed up, which yes. in my mind, that means, and, and this is probably one of these, again, don't, you know, just kind of squint and don't look at the details too much, but like, this is the animated series professor x kind of sort of close enough uh you know brought the, to like uh, the expanding thought bubbles uh when he uh you know does his telepathy i mean this was lovingly lovingly referenced um you know people had said all right you know could they throw you mcavoy as well would there be dual um you know Professor Exus's, uh, you know, they they solved that early on when they were bold enough to put Sir Patrick's voice in that Super Bowl teaser. And then as I warned Matt off social media and pretty much off TV in the past week, they had shown uh, a shot of the yellow wheelchair with his hand on it. Uh, and another oh, was that what was that? that? Okay. I'm glad to have not known that one ahead of time. Captain Carter's shield, like I said before, I don't know that it fully registered. And even if it did, like, hey, grab Haley Atwell for two scenes. She's always game to come back. Like, it, it, that kind of all made they, sense. They showed that where she throws the shield as well. Um, you know, so you, you didn't see her. But, you know, leading to this throwdown to illustrate the the true power of the Scarlet Witch, just, you know, I mean, turning Reed Richards into fantastic stretched out spaghetti and cutting Captain Carter in half with the shield. Um, But maybe the best death, Matt, maybe the best death, okay, for a guy that we've come to love like Anson Mount and to get the comic accurate black bolt costume with the helmet with the the thing on it that strange teases him about and uh where's his mouth oh my god he's gonna talk and boom turns his brains into mush i think the benefit of bringing back these familiar faces but from other universes the benefit is you get to kill them all and make your villain have villainy and that's you know Oftentimes, the situation with these comic book movies is like, oh, man, I know Tom Holland has a six-picture deal, three supporting roles and three starring roles. Do I think in Spider-Man Far From Home, they're really going to kill him? Nope. Um, 
but you get that here in terms of it's you know it is both my professor x and also made clear it's not my professor x um and it's living in that fan that fan territory of you know it's not prime universe nor kelvin universe this is this is a third universe so it's okay to kill them i know elizabeth olsen was surprised by the amount of villainy that wanda would be doing um and again i think if some people are like well wait she wasn't full like she wasn't full-on villain at the end of wandavision i see what they did but i don't love it okay i mean you know the road goes ever on for for any of these characters and there's a there's a path back for her and so forth but in terms of the the hype of this scene black bolt speaking and poof the red mist comes out on the other side and not long for this world or captain carter and professor x and all that i mean just it's leaning into this is the the horrific fun that we're having meanwhile with wong as her erstwhile prisoner there wanda has gone to mount wandagore she's uh you know the stronghold of the dark hold and manipulating things ultimately from that other side with her dream walking we get to a little sense of you know our wanda's villainy as you know with a camera pov shot she's creeping around uh other wanda's house and, and there's this sense that you know our scarlet witch is is the villain for them too um it's all you know it's it, it's all super effective in terms of you know us us really committing to the idea that surprise surprise i think some people are more surprised than other people that the scarlet witch is the villain in this in this picture so the incursion that had happened in the 838 universe that caused the illuminati to uh you know murder uh their their strange uh that via black bolt as well another illustration of his power really being the big fear with all this stuff, the the dark hold, the dream walk walking that's taken place, resulting in a visit to an incursion destroyed universe with another strange and that third eye. I know we had seen similar visions of a place like this in What If. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this was really you know, well presented here. I think that this, this other strange, I mean, can we call him sinister strange? I don't know that that's, it's necessarily that version of the character, but I think third eye strange is, is as good name as any. I think that we can understand the burden that third eye strange has and how this too is also on the one hand, a beloved character of ours it's Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange, but it's also like a disposable guy who could be bad or who could be killed off or whatever the story needs. Um, I just continue to marvel, no pun intended, at how the movie really walks that line time and time again. And then America and Strange helping Wanda see the truth there via the kids. If If they're essentially another MacGuffin in the film. All right. That's what the villain is chasing to have versions of them recoil at her 
to ultimately have her back off. I mean, what we were saying before about Elizabeth Olsen and the level of destruction that she wrought in the film, they they did wind up walking some of it back. Yeah, which is which is a little surprising to find out. I I do think, and and maybe I've tiptoed around this, uh, maybe I haven't. I don't know. I do think there is a little bit of a narrative difference between the Wanda that they clearly wanted in this movie from day one and the Wanda that they discovered in the making of WandaVision and in that process. Um, and, you know, and two, I think you've potentially opened yourself up to the criticism of hysterical female, which we know is not what they're trying to do. Um, the, the treatise that WandaVision is on, on grief and loss and, you know, is always going to have a special spot as that first Marvel studios, uh, show on Disney plus and what a fantastic job they did with it, making it required viewing headed into this film. You got to wonder too, Matt, the number of people, I mean, WandaVision was a massive hit, but, you know, it's coming up on uh, 18 months, you know, since that bowed. And there are people who are going to see this who now are going to go back and see it for the first time. Yeah, I think ultimately. If is is there a is there a gender discussion to be had about the Wanda character where you could be critical of the transformation? I think you can be critical if you want to find criticism. If you want to say, well, let's not forget she was this terrible threat to thousands of people in Westview. And yes, we kind of saw the why. But if you're, you know, Joe the Green Grocer who was tortured by her, by her um, control of the, over the town, you know, she's not really that much more villainous than she used to be. I think there's that as a perspective too. Um if nothing else, it speaks to this giant Marvel thing where, you know, I know they did WandaVision before they did Doctor Strange too, but I also know they had a sense of they had a sense of what they wanted to do with Doctor Strange, I suspect. And I don't know that that changed greatly during the COVID shutdown versus, you know, WandaVision. They shot all the Atlanta-based stuff um, before COVID, then we were able to shut down, edit think talk discuss and, and iterate further so either way it's it's I, I think it's an interesting discussion to be had and i do think pete that you know no one has given any no one has given any great grief one way or another um and again i return to my point from before if ultimately the powers that be decide you know what wanda did go a little too far this time okay bring her back in the future and you can correct it in some way uh, you know shape or form so we end there with uh, Wanda's fate in doubt. But I mean, really, come on. We'll talk more about that in theories in just a second. Uh, America training in the rebuilding Camartage. Yeah, uh, that too. Maybe it didn't surprise me, but I didn't know to expect that that's where she would remain or, you know, remain for now in the MCU. I think it's a great spot uh, 
um, particularly, you know, not really having a sense yet of, you know, what is the next great Thanos type arc for these movies. Not that they need to develop one immediately, um, but but to leave her there to be picked up the next time the character is needed, uh, whether that's as soon as Thor uh, Love and Thunder, which I doubt, or a little bit farther down the line. It just makes perfect sense, uh, especially not for nothing. She just spent the whole movie hanging out with uh, Strange and to a lesser degree Wong. So why not hang out in the place where Wong and Strange train phenomenal people? The ending with the eye is slightly abrupt, but I think it works in towards in, in total towards the, the tone and that they address it again in the mid credit scene. I'm a bit torn because I feel like it plops a big to be continued in the narrative of this movie, which I think is a little bit different than being like, oh, look, we are rebuilding the Xavier Academy and maybe we will accept students in the future. It's not quite that. To me, it feels a bit abrupt. I guess it's better in the 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 mid credit scene um pete maybe i'm j- maybe we are just so so um you know overly rewarded with all of these shows that that have and movies that have the potential to be continued and all of that that when you kind of give that to me i, I don't know, maybe maybe i personally am souring a bit on that versus like just give us the end and then in the mid credits thing go oh look Space Rangers are detecting something coming close. What could it be? <laughs> uh, you'll find out in Thor. Like, I, maybe I'm tiring of the format a bit, and that's unfair on my part. I don't know. Well, if we're going to continue to get gifts like Charlize Theron now in the MCU playing Clea, and if you don't know who Clea becomes in the comics, she is Dormammu's niece. She also becomes Dr. Clea Strange. Well, Pete, now that I know that, it says to me that they have uh, plans for many more Dr. Strange stories in the future, uh, which is a bit unlike some of the other um, properties where, like, for example, if you believe what they've said, um, there's currently not a contract in place for Oscar Isaac and more Moon Knight, so... How about this, Pete? More Doctor Strange definitely going to happen at some point. Hopefully they don't spend six years between now and Doctor Strange 3. The uh, end credit scene here, as they are wont to do, ahaha, Matt, after presumably three weeks, Bruce Campbell's Pizza Papa finally stops beating himself up. Um... And the little nod of it's over, it's over, as he says it to the camera. I, I almost I almost like the safety of a ha-ha because it's not, it's not you know, setting up the next great evolution of the storytelling universe. Uh, and if you're going to do it with Bruce Campbell, then, you know, truly, we are all winners. Really, Raimi's muse and somebody in real life he refers to as baby. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, let's begin with a pair of octopus monsters. Look, if you're going to give us 
real-ish on-screen deaths. If you're, you're going to kill humanoid characters who are beloved to some um, or, or who are charismatic to all, and if you're going to do that in the midpoint of the movie and you are dealing by and large with kind of real human stakes like, you know, Wanda wants her family back and and things of that sort. Yeah, open up with a big giant octopus monster who you can very easily, you know, cut limbs off of and it has green goo that comes out. And at no point are we like, oh my goodness, that's an arm, that's a bone. Like, it, it's asking you to lean into horrific fun and... Uh, and and in that sense, setting the tone while also saving some of the real, you know, darlings to be killed later on when it counts more. The pair of them, the second one there, uh, Gargantos, uh, controlled by Wanda, the runes visible, uh, leading them to make that connection there. Yeah, I think, too, this is a this is a super stuffed story. Yes, it's pulling on WandaVision. Yes, it's pulling on No Way Home to a certain degree. But the notion that we're able to get this, you know, a Doctor Strange James Bond opening in terms of mid-mission, Doctor Strange dead, America on the run, what will happen next? Uh, and only later go, oh, both octopus monsters were actually controlled by Wanda. Like, she's been, it's been Wanda all along. Um and for that to all make sense, as opposed to, frankly, the safer story confines of, you know, James Bond is finishing up a mission that reminds you that he's really cool and does some stuff, but that has no bearing on the story. Like, it's easier to do the latter, and it's more complex to say, you know, this was all tied together from the beginning. I feel like the Disney Plus Marvel Legends... I mean, can we call it a series? It's kind of like a sub-series. It's, it's a little less than the uh, Marvel Assembled or the um, Disney galleries they've done for Star Wars, like behind-the-scenes stuff, the, the featurettes. But um, to give you, you know, the, I think they've done 15 now, um, and they gave us Wanda Maximoff and vision prior to WandaVision. So they're kind of like seven, eight minute clip shows and package that together. Wanda now, who was the very first one, they did a Scarlet Witch one. And here I am telling you about it the other day because they don't really like push it that much. And I feel like they could do a better job. I mean, people saw it, but you were unaware of it. Yeah, like I forget that they're there, and it's not that I don't know, I think, all the particulars of these characters as needed for this movie, but, you know, I would have welcomed the refresher. There was something for WandaVision, I don't remember what it was, but where it was like, um, there was something for WandaVision where I was glad to have to, to have seen that kind of clip reminder. I think it was something involving Age of Ultron which is probably my least watched Avengers movie. Um, but just some particular are you sure it there. Wasn't the, are you sure it wasn't the legends? Um, it might've been, but again, the bottom line, I, I, I welcome these reminders. I welcome this stuff. And it'd be nice if Disney plus, which 
Uh, I'm on at least once a week to be watching Moon Knight and other things. If that was more at the forefront there, you know, if it only helped me to be more excited and informed about these characters. Even having rewatched Doctor Strange in the last week to get ready for this, the idea of Mordo, I mean, the end of that film sets him up as a big bad moving forward. And it's funny to think it's been five and a half years six you know if if you look to 2016 to 2022 since that original film and in the post credit scene you know you've got uh chiwetel Etafor saying you know oh there's too many sorcerers we need to do something about it and then this film jumps in in a it feels like there's been more story between the two of them it does and I think that's maybe the downside of this greatest television series of all time, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, you know, the, this weird ongoing story that that acts like it's a TV show sometimes. Um, the fact that there needs to be a Doctor Strange in the post-Spider-Man slot, which itself is too spider-man movies after endgame like there's a certain point where you go we kind of lost control of the doctor strange narrative and now is not the time particularly since you know disney plus has said give us content and marvel has figured out a way to do feeders to the movies and rebounds off of the movies and build-ups maybe for future movie you know like all of that conversation back and forth um in the you know in in the bathwater has been thrown out the baby of Doctor Strange two Strange v Mordo, and then to have Strange in his own film at one point function as a villain. Um, certainly the different versions of Strange. Um, I don't know. It, it's just an imminently well constructed narrative. Um, and like I said before, I'm just so impressed with. They stuffed all of this in and all these connections and, and so much. And still it made sense. Still it was coherent. The Darkhold, Matt, again, going way back in the MCU. Yes, they've kind of like sidelined S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and Runaways, even though they're all on Disney Plus now. And you can all watch those because, you know, Gabriel Luna's um, Ghost Rider didn't know it corrupted, right? Look, there's always this the, part of this conversation that we keep having, you know, how how much communication was there between Marvel Television and Marvel Studios? The answer is not a whole lot. Uh, however, I think Kevin Feige always erring on the side of, you know, we don't need to razz a bunch of fans by taking away through some, you know, uh, Crisis of Infinite Earths, you know, take away your Marvel Television adventures that said, look, they clearly, we can now see in retrospect, they wanted the Darkhold for this movie. They backtracked it into WandaVision. Pete, somebody who's going to do more of a cork board with uh, yarn attached to pictures can figure out whether the S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Darkhold was the same one, or I think reference was made to like all the Darkholds are one, or whatever it is. It's like, again, it kind of works for this story. It kind of works with the idea if if you're going to treat it like other universes too, potentially. I, I like that you could kind of retcon it 
but again man it's it's our dark hold we're infinitely familiar with it at this point i mean that was some of the best stuff that season four of agents of shield remains its best to do ghost rider and then to do the lmd uh and then the the framework storyline and pull that all together uh with that really really well done matt the opposite of a corrupting presence you know our book of vishanti are the people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek yes keeping us listeners supported particularly at these super busy podcasting times uh and we just are so flattered to have their support over there on patreon.com slash fantastic geek and uh, the fact that we remain listener supported is a huge point of pride for us chewing through that bandwidth now going to be doing it again in june very soon and so grateful to have your contributions takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door can't contribute now get yourself over to apple Podcasts. leave us a rating in seconds leave us a review in a little while longer to any of our 30 podcast feeds welcome to level seven Time to analyze and theorize. So our Illuminati, Matt, in order of the biggest surprises, of course, Krasinski, you know, then you had Haley Atwell, Mount uh, being, you know, a little bit below the radar and again, kind of unrecognizable in the mask, but it's it's definitely him. Uh, LaSasha Lynch, of course, we knew about Sir Patrick because they had dribbled that out there for us a little bit uh who returns well i think the big question is of course you know do they bring john krasinski back um because i think Haley atwell is probably at a the, 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 there there's a point of rest between maybe her wants or which what her rate is or that sort of thing and also the general fame uh, and demand that she's in where, you know, they want to do the Captain Carter series. She's got time for that. They want to just do voice stuff. She's got time for that. You want to do, you know, whatever it is, I think she's available and able. Um, I, I don't think they're doing uh, more in humans, although Anson Mount spoken for on the Star Trek end. Uh, the beauty of John Krasinski in this, you know, large cameo role, but cameo nonetheless is if this really is a case that like Marvel has said, we don't like the fact that we kind of got bogged down in the phase two era with a bunch of contracts that didn't necessarily give us flexibility for one more movie or to hop over to the TV show. If your John Krasinski deal was let's do this cameo thing and let's keep talking. Awesome. If John Krasinski was like, I will do this cameo. I'm not doing Marvel movies. I like being the director, writer, guy. I don't want to be a cog in a machine, but I'll do it. Okay, great. Maybe they do that with that understanding, and he changes his mind, or he doesn't. We're not committed to John Krasinski, Mr. Fantastic, as a guarantee. He did not step through and say, oh, now that I've gone through the multiversulator, now I live here now. Uh, you got him. You killed him off. Maybe the next Mr. Fantastic is him. Maybe it's somebody who looks not like him. Maybe it's a different gender, ethnicity, whatever. And I think that's the beauty of the conceit. I mean, listen, the the vast majority of us want him to be 
Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, we also want his wife to be played by his wife. Um, it's there for the taking. If, if it's not going to happen for a variety of reasons, then we've gotten it here. Um, and, and honestly, I feel like there could even be an amicable, like John Krasinski said, uh, this is not my cup of tea. However, I'm looking forward to something else with Disney down the line. Like it could be all win, even if this is all that we get uh, of him. And as widely whispered as it was, you know, they still gave us the little heads up that Christine works for uh, Baxter. Okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting next to Matt and he still doesn't know this. And I'm, I'm so eager for the response, having sat on this for a little while. Um, I did catch the Baxter stuff and it was like, e even with that, it kind of didn't occur to me that one of the Illuminati... Um, could be him honestly because i was so focused on you know on getting sir patrick stewart here um again let alone as kind of sort of the animated series version uh if you will but it you know all of that was a ton of fun an opportunity to bring these people back um and then pete speaking of bringing people back you know do we get some sort of redemption for wanda at some point if you believe Elizabeth Olsen at this point, she says um, that I don't, I don't know whether she spoke directly to a contract, but it was like, currently there is no new plan. Um, now, again, maybe that's what she's been told to say, or maybe nobody's announcing, you know, the WandaVision season two or Wanda the movie or whatever it is. Maybe it's not going to get announced until uh, the second weekend in September at uh, D23 or something like that. And she genuinely doesn't know, but there's that possibility, right? You know, you had mentioned it recently that we're pretty much through the slate of all the things that had been announced um, pre-COVID of, uh, you know, the, the dates and everything like that. And of course we have the, the next, uh, announcement looming. I fully expect that it's going to be, you know, the, the Wanda Maximoff feature, you know, um, we still have white vision hanging out out there. We've got to resolve that. Um, the beauty part is this universe has expanded so much to where you can let characters rest for a little bit as much as we've had Doctor Strange in back-to-back -back films, which was never the plan. Well, speaking of Doctor Strange, uh, the notion that he's returning is, is to me a very easy one. Um, I understand that Cumberbatch is looking to take a little bit of a break overall. And indeed, I think Benedict Cumberbatch probably has been certainly in the last couple of years and, you know, people not going to theaters and COVID and all that. But like, I think that Benedict Cumberbatch has been perhaps the busiest MCU actor making small little things that I assume he's really, really passionate about um, that maybe not a lot of people have seen, but he, he's going out to make those things. Um, around these movies and if he says hey marvel i'm not doing another marvel movie for the next 18 months because i want to do this small part and i want to do this on stage and i want to you know i am an actor not just your doctor strange green screen guy you know i think that can be really uh respected he's not doing anything for a little while he's got three children 
taking a break. He's 45 years old. He's he's earned this if he chooses to. Uh, he did the method thing for the power of the dog. He does the the tent pole. And now, all right, we, we know that the character is going to return. You you don't throw Charlie's Theron into his orbit, and the possibility there seemingly had Christine Palmer sail off onto the horizon and open up this new romantic interest and the possibilities there to not ever bring him back. We know he's going to come back. He will come back when it's time for him to. You referenced the possibility of, uh, of uh, Sam Raimi coming back to direct Fantastic Four. Again, I think he's such an interesting person in that, you know, in the last uh, couple months, I went back and rewatched the Raimi trilogy. That first Spider-Man movie is so good, so the product of a director that knows how to lean into the cheeky, you know, spandex stuff a little bit, lean into the drama of it, the melodrama of the high school experience. He is such a talented director in that first movie. And it's almost as much in the second movie. And then the third movie, you know, with all its studio problems and meet the day and date. And, you know, this was now officially a thing. We know what the third movie is like. Pete, I don't know what Sam Raimi has done lately. Um, but I would welcome him to come back in that kind of MCU system where he's the mighty Sam Raimi, but now he very clearly works for the the guy who was the associate producer who knew all the Spider-Man trivia back in back in uh, the early 2000s filming, and that, now that's his boss and Kevin Feige. Uh, you know, I think it would be a good. <laughs> this is a good studio to have take over your your project a bit. If I think they can negotiate his tonal issues i think fantastic four could be a landing spot for him the krasinski thing i think is is almost too good to be true it makes too much sense i mean really bad you put him as director maybe as one of the writers as one of the stars you got his wife what do you need to do you just need a uh, you know, Johnny Storm and you, you need a, the thing. Uh, go out and get them. It is a little surprising that they're not quite as far along. Like, again, I, I know COVID put a big pause on things, not just because film and TV production was essentially suspended everywhere for six months, but then you say there's a backlog and there's a this and that and, and, and availability shift and whatnot. But, you know, Marvel is working on Fantastic Four was announced at D23 in August of 2019. And here we are and there's not like, and the director is gone and there's not a new director. All right. Well, the MCU doesn't, the MCU is, is overseen by Kevin Feige and so forth. For all we know, they've cast all these people, but like, where is all that? I mean, heck the, I think it was the Marvel returns to the movies. Just awesome trailer thing that they had done um that gave all dates some of which have now changed and all that but i believe it ended with like the four there's meant to be like phase four but also fantastic four i'm I'm surprised we haven't heard more yet let's check the wire pete 
to Twitter we had where we ran a poll about this movie. Uh, did it get one star fan four stick? Uh, that got zero percent. We can all agree this is this is no fan four stick. Uh, two <laughs> stars like the Mohawk Archer, which maybe was me editorializing. That got fourteen percent. Three stars, marvelous. Marvel Us Outing got 38%, and Four Stars, a modern classic, got 48%. So, gee whiz, Pete, don't you know it? It ends up being kind of like a 3.5, B+, A-, which I think is what Marvel aims for each time. Uh, we heard from uh, Pete, we've had Dr. Strange, Dr. Reed Richards, joined now by Dr. Bob Keeley. That's at R. Keeley on Twitter. I want to watch it again because I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff I missed. This is the first movie where I felt like I needed to know a whole lot of Marvel stuff to really get it. Uh, we heard from LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk. Realized that I'm not a fan of Danny Elfman. Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC 139 said, I kind of agree. His music is very distinctive, and it works really well for some movies slash TV. Simpsons, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Nightmare Before Christmas, to name a few. But it's an acquired taste that had a specific place. Pete, I will reply to that and say, I know that at various points he was quoting the do- Michael Giacchino's Doctor Strange theme and mm-hmm. so forth. It was only halfway through the movie where I wondered if it was Danny Elfman. And I have to wonder, is this like studio Danny Elfman? Hey, you get the job, but don't go too crazy. Welcome to Marvel where everybody colors within certain lines. And I I think you nailed it with that take there. Um, You know, it, it is what it needed to be. I don't feel as some did that it overpowered. I did think the Giacchino stuff was better. Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo in 1983 says, I love this movie. I was not expecting the villain to stay the same throughout the whole movie. Wanda never fully got over her grief. Uh, Raimi knows how to do horror right, but still keep it PG-13. I jumped a couple of times. Cumberbatch brought it as well, and the addition of America Chavez was brilliant. Her future is bright in the MCU. Can't wait to see what's next. James the Sagacious, that's at Big Kiln on Twitter, said, Just amazing. Didn't expect it to be that good. The Illuminati scenes still have me in shock. Didn't think live action could look that cool after seeing What If, which is a high compliment indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mimi Andelman, that's at Mimi Andelman, says, $185 million domestically? Wow, of course. I contributed $20 for one ticket. <laughs> now that is madness. Like the movie, okay, but for me, it needed more Wanda story advancement and, well, more universes. I have to admit, Pete, I was kind of expecting the, if we were going to get a Tom Cruise Iron Man cameo, I thought it would be like we're zipping through these different spots as we kind of got initially, but like there's Tom Cruise Iron Man. Here's right. President Groot, you know, or, or whatever. I thought we were going to get Pink Bang Boom. Or just something where like it doesn't need to make sense, right? Yeah. Um, um, they, they've done, you know, that we've cracked open the multiverse several times now. I, I still think, you know, that remains a, a possibility. You know, you got his co-star from, you know, the latest Mission Impossible movies in Haley Atwell. Can he be far behind? We'll see. Next, we hear from Brian Spann. That's at uh, Brian O-E-N-O, Brian O-N-O. Uh, I gave it three stars, but it's close to four. Cool Raimi touches all over the movie. Elizabeth Olsen was legitimately scary. And a great follow-up to WandaVision. Didn't quite grip me emotionally enough to go four stars, but it's fun. 
Next, JT Adkins, JTA's me, said, Love the acting from good old Strange to brand new America and everyone else. The Illuminati bit was loads of fun. Come back, Captain Carter. Come back, all of you. So nice to have two Enterprise captains on one MCU dais. <laughs> Wonderful that they had the nerve to bring back Black Bolt. That Anson Mount was up for it and an in-joke wink to knock him off. Inhumane. For some reason, magic fights inherently do little for me uh, as they were... Uh, as if they were Star Trek techno babble fights. I'll reroute auxiliary power through the EPS conduits. Oh yeah, I'll vent warp plasma through the deflector array. So <laughs> this won't be my favorite MCU outing, but I'm still glad I saw it since the character moments were so good. Uh, next we hear from Make It So, uh, KCLYLE1 on Twitter. I'll have to leave this one in my podcast queue. Won't be able to see it next weekend. Uh, well, Pete, the, uh, the, the, the journey goes ever on here. Uh, so the podcast will be there waiting for him. Uh, we hear from Noel Gardner at Noel Camille. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, even though it has me questioning my dreams from the start. It goes top speed. I thought I had prepared for the horror elements, but they got me a few times. I really enjoyed Wanda graphically running through the Illuminati. Wan, uh, Wong is always a treat. America was a great addition to the team and all the strangers were great. Wanda's fall is complete and I can't wait to see her rise whispers where is white vision uh they use the word incursion several times and i feel like we're headed to secret wars at some point my mouth mm -hmm. hung open at the mid credit scene finally i love the fantasia like music note battle uh which is a great point to mention uh that was a lot of fun mm -hmm. and i think too with everything that's out there you know they're they're gonna do secret wars it's it's coming um you know, we we still got to do secret invasion. So what, one secret at a time. Uh, we hear from Beer Crusader. That's at Beer Crusader. Uh, was fantastic. Love the Fantastic Four. Uh, the British family. Funky Bolt appearances still waiting for. Mephisto uh, to be behind it all. Jokes aside, I'm waiting for him. Uh, and a lot of those uh, Fs with the PH there. Uh, we hear from David Siller at David Siller Poet. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was quite a romp this weekend. Going in with no expectations, the movie delighted, surprised, entertained, and also left me with a couple of quibbles. A great way to bring in America Chavez and the Illuminati, stellar lineup, though my heart ached more than I wanted to for Captain Carter. Elizabeth Olsen's performance was stellar, though I'm still on the fence about how I feel about her arc. I was over the moon to see Wanda's powers on Eleven. The music fight might even top the time-going-backwards fight from the first Doctor Strange. I really liked how cozy the film felt after the bigness of Spider-Man No Way Home. We might have been expecting lots of cameos, characters, and chaos, but got focused and concentrated story with just a few powerful players. As others have said it, this is going to be worth all the rewatches it has coming. All in all, a fun and fantastic foray uh into the multiverse that i'll revisit again soon enough now bring on ms marvel next pete we hear from spider ham lincoln tess lc139 i've been a marvel fan for over 40 years and this newest mcu movie seemed to be primarily meant for the hardcore fans like me casual viewers can enjoy it but with all that was going on you'd have to be very knowledgeable about the mcu and past comic stories and i had a lot of fun with this one and I love multiversal storytelling in the MCU. The Illuminati scenes were delicious, and I hope some of those characters would be seen in the MCU again someday. Wanda was a sympathetic villain, but she caused a lot of death and destruction in her quest 
uh, for motherhood uh, attributed to a mixture of profound grief and the Darkhold's influence. I didn't know what I was expecting out of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, but what I got was a great time worth several rewatches. Last one, Pete, is from Teresa. Uh, I don't think it's Dr. Teresa from Star Trek Picard. This is Teresa6544. Four nine six four one on Twitter. My heart breaks for Wanda, but after all she did, she could not have a happy ending. I do have some questions. Who made the throne with her and her boys' uh, likeness carved into the walls? Where did they come from? Also, who was the woman Doctor Strange uh, left with at the end? Thanks, Pete. That's from Teresa. Well, I mean, we mentioned Clea before. The throne there for Wanda and the the sculptures of the boys. It's a little bit more nebulous that they would play around with that with uh, Wanda Gore. Um, I don't know that they'll necessarily return to it or explain it, but again, that they want to do a movie uh, with Wanda um, that the boys would ultimately become young Avengers, which they're putting together. Uh, we'll have to see. Pete, what feedback do you have on your end? Uh, Trek girl 88, Matt has left an Apple podcast review. It reads best of the best five stars. I found fantastic geek looking for a podcast on Picard. I was immediately hooked by Matt and Pete's thoughtful discussions and went down the rabbit hole on their entire back catalog. They clearly love the properties they cover and have respect for the fans of those properties. If you're a fan of Marvel, Star Wars, or Star Trek, Fantastic Geek is the pod for you. Well, thank you, Trek Girl, for those kind words. And uh, we're always happy to be sojourning into all these properties i mean you know pete as challenging as june is going to be new star wars new marvel new star trek i mean it's the great triumvirate here uh it's the the wind that you know lifts our hearts and is beneath our wings and all of that so i guess pete the only question is this how can people be in touch with you on twitter to keep the marvel conversation going let alone star trek star wars etc you find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,446 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, is looking back lost. Do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, in a couple days' time, we'll be talking about Book of Boba Fett before hitting the weekend uh, with some Moon Knight recap of the season, Picard, the same, Strange New Worlds, episode 102. If you're listening on the Marvel Movie Podcast feed, we will talk to you next, I think, when Thor Love and Thunder comes, unless there's some sort of mammoth announcement news between <laughs> now and then. Uh, one never knows, I suppose. But for now, Pete... I will say adios to all our listeners here and across the multiverse and give you the final word. I love you in every universe. <laughs> <laughs>